I think you can dream as big as you want, but the thing about dreaming is that it's always in future tense. So if you really want to make an impact in the world and you want, you know, it could start as small as what I did. But I think for people trying to do something, just do it. This is Debbie and welcome to another episode of The Offbeat Life, where I speak to inspiring individuals who ditched the norm to become location independent. We'll learn how to create sustainable laptop lifestyles from the experts that will help us achieve freedom from our nine to five. Hey listeners, have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Lucky for you, I have created a new site that will help you learn how to launch, grow, and monetize your own show. I offer one-on-one mentorship programs and I'm launching an ebook, How to Create a Profitable Podcast, that can help you take your podcast from hobby to profitable business. Visit howtocreatepodcast.com to learn more. Again, that's howtocreatepodcast.com. See you there. On this episode, I speak with Ingrid Harb, who is a global advocate and international speaker from Texas, who founded the Women Ambassadors Forum while still in college. Since starting her forum, Ingrid has since partnered with over 50 Fortune 500 companies and created over 10 global forums and local forums that have reached women from over 95 countries. Listen on to find out how Ingrid has been able to empower women all around the world to pursue their career goals regardless of social, economic, racial, or cultural background. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm so excited to be here with Ingrid. Hey, Ingrid. How are you? Hi. I'm so excited to be here. I'm good. Thank you so much for being here. Ingrid and I never have met in person, but we were put together by Peggy, who is creating this incredible book about branding and marketing. And we were fortunate enough to be in it together. So I'm really excited to learn a lot from you and your story, Ingrid. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here. I know we're just digital friends, <laughs> which is <laughs> not a very common thing, but I'm sure we'll meet soon. So before we get to all of the tips and tricks that you will give us, can you tell us a little bit more about you and why you live an offbeat life? Yes. So I was born in Texas, but raised in Mexico. I actually left Mexico when I was 16 because of the drug war. So it was a very unsafe place for me to be at. And my parents wanted me to go back to Texas to get my education. So long story short, I had a lot of counselors in high school tell me that I wasn't smart enough. And, you know, because I was coming from a Mexican educational system, which is very different to the U.S. educational system, I wasn't adapting as fast. And I came as a junior, which many people know that's like the hardest year and the defining year for getting into college. So I ended up, you know, having other people and my mother being like, no, you got to do it, apply, like you're going to get in. And I feel like I also was like the first in my family to be able to have the freedom to go to university and really, I mean, my mom went to university too, but, you know, she then, you know, married my dad and kind of gave up her career. But I I was the first to be able to fully explore it, you know, like go full on and, and want, you know, have all the dreams that I wanted. So get into college and then I suddenly in a sociology class, I saw that 
statistics on women. And I knew that my culture was very hard on women. It's definitely changing, but it threw me off, right? I was looking at statistics of how, you know, women after two years working for corporations, they dropped because of the culture and the mindset. And I just was like, oh my God, I need to do something. So I got a few friends together over a glass of wine. I was legal by then, I believe. (laughs) And so we get together and we start talking about how we wanted to empower women and how we wanted to really make a change. So I went and, you know, we started with an on-campus organization called She Leaders. And, you know, it meant for students helping empower leaders. And after that organization, I was like, well, I want to do more, right? And that's where I was invited to go to this MIT and Harvard conference in Mexico. And where I saw the dynamic of it. I saw everything about it. And I was like, oh, I, I have to do this. Like, this is exactly what I have to replicate. So I went back and I got all, all of my professors involved. I fundraised money. I had no idea how to do it. Got the president involved with my university. The university was Trinity University in San Antonio, Texas. And it started. And so something so simple as a need and a desire for creating something bigger than myself slowly evolved into now 10 global and local forums and online programs and we've reached over 150 countries and that's all in the span of five years and so what happened with me and I'll try to be short because I know you have other questions and we can dig deeper but what happened was that when I started growing this movement I didn't believe that I was ready for making it my full-time job like I didn't think that I was so passionate about it that I just never saw a monetary need from it. I really just wanted to empower women. And to the day, that really is my core purpose. Like, you know, so up until this year, I always, you know, after college, I always had a job and, you know, moved up the corporate ladder. And then I, you know, started a, a startup. I brought a startup to Florida, which is how I got into, into Tampa, Florida. And so it really was this journey of, just trying to figure out how to align my purpose and my passion with my job and my life. And so up until six months ago, I had this crazy thing happen to me where I, you know, was let go, you know, offered to relocate and everything. And within that time, I started my digital agency because I realized that I could monetize from helping women create their brands. So now it's a full circle and that's really how now I get to live from my computer in every part of the world and be able to still help women. <laughs> well, you have so many different backgrounds, things that you started, especially you're a definite entrepreneur and you came from Mexico where you had to leave because you really had to, right? There was no choice. Otherwise, who knows what would have happened? And People were telling you you couldn't do so many things. And here you are creating all of these summits. Now you are in charge of another business. How do you make time to do all of these things and then make it work on top of that? Because there's a lot of people that will often talk about what they want to do. And it's another thing to actually have action and back yourself up. How do you make yourself do that? How do you back up what you're saying? I mean, it's definitely taking action. I think you can dream as big as you want. But the thing about dreaming is that it's always in future tense. So 
if you really want to make an impact in the world and you want your, you know, it could start as small as what I did, right? I started with an on-campus organization. Like it was very small. I definitely was very abrupt when I decided to make it global and I wanted it to be in every country of the world. And, you know, we still are growing, you know, next year will be our biggest forum ever in the history and it'll be our fifth anniversary. But I think for people trying to do something, just do it. Like I, you know, I do work a lot. Like I, I, there's so many weekends I had to work and I had to sometimes spend nights. And as the years pass, you definitely become better at project management and making sure that you have a balance in your life. And what I mean with that is that I've come to terms that for me to be able to be very productive, I also need to bring in people that are better than me, you know, and other things. So making sure that you have very smart, talented people, it doesn't matter how old they are, as to act as either mentors or, you know, advisors in your journey is important. But here's the problem. With entrepreneurship, you don't take advice from many people because when you're starting a company, and this is what happened to me, I wanted to do it my own way. And the more I heard people give me advice, I just it just didn't feel right. So for me, I think it's important because I'm now at a point where I do need advice because I've grown it to the point where it's out of my hands. Like it's too big for me, right? And it's a good problem to have, but you just have to know that you always should have strategy. You should have the right people around you and that you should do something. Like don't just talk about it, right? Just figure out how to and ask for help because every time that... I had something, I would always talk about it. So it would always happen that I would meet people that were like, oh, I can help you with this or I can help you with that. But I just, I didn't just keep it in me. Yeah. I think that's really important to realize is you can't do it all on your own. And specifically for us women, we feel like we can do everything and we don't need anyone with certain things. But there's so many things that other people can do, especially with you, because you have this incredible group of women and this forum and this summit that you've created. So now you have a network of incredible people who have amazing talents in your fingertips for somebody who doesn't have that yet, right? How do you prepare for this type of journey and make it bigger? right? Bigger than you and even bigger than what you wanted it to be. Yeah. I think it depends what your journey looks like and kind of like what your goals are. Definitely for some women, I think it's knowing that what you think of something as something being it, you know, big, it's sometimes not necessarily that big. So I had a conversation with someone this morning where she talked about her boss telling her to think bigger. And I think that's very important because you need sometimes to be surrounded by people that can see that you can think bigger than what you think already. And so how you back yourself up with resources and kind of in the next level of your career or journey is just reaching out. Like I think for me, I'm now at a point where I need to start connecting with other founders, which I am, and I need to start bringing in more interns and I need to start bringing in more resources and and women that are aligned to my own journey. Because at the same time, a lot of times, many women 
will find that you have a passion and then you have your job. And it's sometimes never mixed. You know, it's really hard to actually mix it (laughs) and make it where it's like your passion is exactly, you can't do it, right? But there's always these two forces that are kind of pulling you from one direction to the other. And it's, for me right now, the agency is very much aligned with my Women's Ambassadors Forum. And it's definitely working in par. But I I was mentioning to you, you know, our next forum, I'm going to have to fundraise half a million. So it's definitely a very intimidating space for me because I feel like I'm not capable of doing it. But at the same time, I think back in the forums that we've planned and with very little effort, we fundraised, you know, close to 50 to 100K. So now I know that it's just going to have to take me to believe in myself to get there, right? But it's really easy for you to see a number or see a goal and get very intimidated by it. Therefore, moving back and sitting back and saying, you know what, like, I can't do this. Let's, let's go into how you actually fundraise, right? Because it is, it's really intimidating. Even you, you've done this before and you're still intimidated a little bit, right? It's kind of the fake it till you make it type thing. (laughs) (laughs) You definitely have a way of doing things that you allow people to trust you. And you've done a lot of things that will just have somebody say, here, Ingrid, take my money. And I believe in your cause. How do you do that? How do you gain trust? And how do you actually market the brand that needs a certain amount of financing for you to actually get that? So I think the number one piece to starting is to have passion for what you're fundraising. So for me, I made my business a for-profit. And I did that because it's important that we understand that women need to start leading for-profit businesses and not non for profits Like we're kind of always leaning into being leaders of nonprofits if it's for a good cause. And it doesn't necessarily mean you can't run a for-profit business. So now I always partner with nonprofits to make sure that I can give some, especially foundations, the 501c3 status. So how I started going back in time is I really think it's having passion. Like when people see you and they see you talk about it, you know, they believe in you. Like you're not going to fundraise money if people don't believe in you. Like if you're just talking to talk and say, oh, there's this project, like you need to be very certain. Like for me, I was like, I need to bring these women here. Like they need me, right? In a way, because like we're so privileged in the United States. Like we have no idea how privileged we are. And so me being able to help international women come to the United States, take, you know, a five-day program to train them to be leaders, and then seeing the ripple effect of them creating companies and creating businesses and creating movements, it's so worth it. So you have to be able to show that to sponsors, right? Because at the end of the day, what sponsors care about is really the ROI. (laughs) And they're not going to care if... You know, you show them, oh, I'm going to have so much press. Like, you know, you're going to get a ton of press from me. That's BS. Like, they don't care about the press, especially big companies, because they have the press. Like, they don't need press. So just knowing that and knowing how to measure that, like, how do you measure ROI? For me, ROI is changing the lives of 
you know, thousands of people is changing communities, right? Is empowering someone to go back and create sustainable change. So how do you measure that? So it's always important to also with sponsors, like follow up, right? So you follow up with everyone that you meet, you create a relationship, you never ask for money right away. It's always like you build the relationship and then you ask for money. And you and you have to think of money as like energy. So many people and a lot of the girls and that I mentor, um, they get intimidated by the fact of like, oh, but I'm asking for 3000 or 5000 Like That's nothing for them, right? So you always have to think about a number that even if you don't have in, a, in your bank account, because you have to start, like really think about it. I was in college. Like I didn't have $40,000 in my bank account and I was fundraising $40,000, right? In college. So <laughs> it's just like, you have to think and make them think like you, you're okay with that number. Like it's just nothing. <laughs> and it sounds ridiculous, but it does work. Like, Hey, you know, I, and always ask someone else that's, you know, maybe more experienced or has fundraised before or whatever on ideas or suggestions on how to like, maybe you think 25,000 is a good amount to fundraise. And maybe the someone else will be like, no, you should fundraise for 40. So having other people analyze your, I would say your fundraising sheet, it's important because then you're probably asking for less. It's definitely all about making the connection first before you ask, because it's like with anything else, who are you to ask somebody that much? Or even even if it's a little bit, right? If they don't know you, why would, why on earth would they give you anything? So <laughs> you have to kind of nurture that relationship first. So that is really true with anything, even if it's not about raising money for that type of business. It's just when you're networking, connecting with people, it's just giving before you take, you know, and for the most part, it's a lot of giving (laughs) before you can actually take anything. (laughs) Yeah, it depends. But it definitely like, I can give you an example now with companies that I work with and like organizations that I've partnered, like, let's say the European parliament, like it took me three years of building that relationship and really establishing credibility with them until, you know, and I saw two Italian women within the parliament that grew a a movement for women. And, you know, I was a witness of that and I was kind of connected to them while they were building that. And now we're looking at partnering next year. So things like they don't happen overnight and that's what people don't understand it's like you are so used to seeing things like tomorrow in the next week and for you to establish a really big connection like I just landed a huge company one of the largest IT companies in the world and I'm starting to do events in partnership with them and it took me a solid year to establish that relationship and get something going so it just depends on the size of the company and that's key for fundraising Yeah, absolutely. And I I think you're right too, Ingrid, is that we see a lot of instant things happening. There's a lot of instant gratification. And I think a lot of people really don't know how to take their time anymore and not get frustrated. And it's really about the follow-up. You have to keep following up and making sure that you still have that relationship going and to keep it up. Even if they may not be interested right now, you never know what's going to happen later on. Yeah, exactly. 
So now, Ingrid, what is the biggest setback that you are encountering right now as an entrepreneur? There's so many. (laughs) Every day you experience something. As a digital CEO (laughs) for an advertising agency, it is a whirlwind. You have all types of clients with all types of needs, with all types of prerequisites and expectations and It's really hard to understand that not everyone's going to love the outcome. So you have to come to senses to that, that people have different expectations. And if they're not willing to pay for the price, then you're going to have to tell them, like, I'm sorry, like, this is what you paid for, right? And you can't say that because you're offering a service. So it's just a very hard journey that I feel like it's fun, but it's really hard. And I'm sure a lot of digital artists can relate to me. Like, it's just, you know, you kind of pray for like the perfect client, which is the the client that you send the doc, you know, the the design to, and then they're like, oh, I love this. And then they're done. (laughs) But you only get like one of those every like 20 clients. So I'm just learning to definitely grow and understand what my pricing is, because I oftentimes realize that I'm giving knowledge away. I realize that I'm giving my time away. I realize that uh, I've definitely like sent an underpaid contract. You know, I'm getting paid less for something that I should have gotten paid more. So since it's a very new world for me, I, I'm like starting to understand it. Not fully. I definitely, I have someone in my team that has done it before. So she's helped me like establish prices and all that stuff. Because at the end of the day, it's really just, it's your value as a creator. It's so funny because I had, there's this co-working space in Tampa and I'm just going to say it because I think I should say it. And they accept creators to be in their space. And I didn't get accepted to it. And I didn't get accepted because I'm not creative enough for the way that they set up their, you know, it's only designers and stuff. And I think that's BS because as creators, like CEOs and presidents and founders of you, you are a creator. Like you are Even if you do project management, I think everyone should know that even if you don't know how to draw or create the design, if you have an idea of how the design should be, that makes you a creative. But then another setback is I'm just so nervous. Like I really am, like I am getting so emotionally like unstable just by thinking about it. So I'm just going to have to be very (laughs) strong and believe in myself and just know that you know, the universe wants this to happen and it's going to happen the way that it's supposed to happen. Um, So I'm just going to be hopeful. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's all about experience, right? And being comfortable because with me, I've been doing this for a few years and I still question every time I send out my pricing sheet to someone, (laughs) whether you priced yourself too low or too high, but it really comes down to experience at the end of the day, they're either going to like it or they don't. And if you priced yourself too low, then you know, the next time you go a little bit you know, going up from it. But it is really nerve wracking. I can definitely understand what you're going through in grid. And, you know, everybody goes through that. It doesn't matter how small or how big you are, you're always questioning whether your decision is the right one for you and your company. Absolutely. Every day. <laughs> Every time you take a client, it's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
every time they see you on social media or you're doing a public speaking gig, you just look really in place and then they don't know that inside you're a wreck. <laughs> oh, yeah. Or you're like dying before you go on the stage. <laughs> and we're like going. Yeah, yeah, I had this speaking engagement two weeks ago. I sometimes I say yes to some like some organizations like our Latina base or local that I'm gonna help kind of speak to younger teenagers or college students. And I definitely say yes because that's when I started my journey very young. But sometimes I don't pay attention to nothing. Like I just say yes and then I'm like, send me the address and then I'll just go. <laughs> so I had this one event where I get there and I had not practiced at all. Like I was just gonna talk, you know. I have a layout, like every speaker prepares. So I know exactly what my layout looks like in my brain. But I get there and there's like 300 people. And I'm like, oh, shit. this is way bigger than I thought. I thought it was going to be like a 50 people event, you know? <laughs> so that was a surprise. But, you know, I think it's having that mental structure in my brain helps to be prepared for any scenario. <laughs> it's it's always so many things that's going on and you know there's certain things that you never expect that would happen happens but you know you just keep going and you learn from everything the little hiccups is actually good for you <laughs> you become more prepared <laughs> now Ingrid talking about how you started this new company as a CEO of a digital agency and you had no background like previous background in it how did you find your clients because that's one of the biggest things that people really want to know right aside from pricing of course how were you able to find your clients without any knowledge of this in the first place <laughs> So because I was organizing so many conferences, every conference, and if you think about it, I grew a movement from two countries in reach to every, like I would say almost every country in the world without SEO. So no SEO involved. I mean, women that are in this digital era will know that SEO is so important for you to even be in the Google. Like we were just always up. Like it was like, I don't even know. I always think of it. It's like this movement was something that I was born with that I had to do that. It's just, I'm kind of like figuring it out as a go, but everything works out. So obviously with strategy. So I, I grew that and I had a strategy in place and even a strategy for me, for sponsorships, for partnerships. Like I've partnered with, you know, the Federal Reserve Bank, um, some of the companies that I've worked with, it's like Kellogg's, Mary Kay, Neiman Marcus, Saks Fifth Avenue, Raymond James, like Data. I mean, you, you name it. There's been so many companies. And so how I started getting clients in this new world that I had no idea how to, like seriously. And then I needed to make a living, right? Because my movement is my passion. I don't want to monetize from it because then it's going to take away from what I love, right? I ended up, so I actually had a client before I left my previous job. So I had a client and she's a very, very strong lawyer in my city where I live. And so she's an entrepreneurial lawyer, which means she has a ton of entrepreneurs under her belt. And she really was a big mentor for me. And she's still my client, but she was just 
she took me under her wing and she really was the like we were sitting in a meeting and I had already left the company I was working for and you know I had organized a few other events because I also do events for military women and you know you name it so I'm sitting with her and she's like you know you should really create a company like I don't think charging to your women's ambassadors forum really like is exactly what you should be doing because you have it this is like another product so what I did with her is I literally helped her build her two new companies so she's creating a co-working space for lawyers and another kind of female movement and so I've worked in consulting so I know how to work with people I know how to strategize I know how to project management I know how to brand I know how, like so there I was as I was taking jobs and this is why I think sometimes it's good to work for other people and then for yourself because you start gaining skills in other jobs that you don't realize that are going to then really help in your business. Right. So I got her and then I started getting from referrals. So then I got people from my event. So that, that was my advantage. So I have a huge database from all the people that have attended my events And most of them are from all backgrounds. So I started marketing to that community and I was able to get a few veterans from a military conference to be my clients. And, and then I had this huge client that we just signed huge client and he was a referral from a very close mentor of mine. So I think when it comes to clients, it's really a matter of many things like Facebook ads, YouTube ads that I haven't done yet because I'm five months old and I'm still figuring it out. And so referrals, I think it's the most important. Yeah, that's definitely a huge thing because people will, will already know that what you're doing is really valuable and referrals are such key to a successful business if you want to keep going at it. And they're the best types of people to get anyways, right? And you don't usually have to spend any money on it. Exactly. (laughs) So let's fast forward to 50 years from now and you're looking back at your life. What legacy would you like to leave and what do you want to be remembered for? Wait, how many years? 50. (laughs) I'm 50. I'm like, oh, I don't know. Like, um, looking back at my, who I'm in the next life, (laughs) don't know what I was thinking. I would say in 50 years, I definitely want to be, I wouldn't even say 50. Like I want to say five years, like in five years, I want to be able to say that I have now branched out my organization into having summits in other countries. That's my year for next year, my goal for next year. And I want to just be someone that really embodies the true empowerment of women and someone that really embodies not being fearful of who you want to be. Um, Because I think my trajectory on my life changes a lot. And I'm kind of in this time of my life where I'm really surrendering to what the big thing is for me. Something that I really can encourage people is that you may be forcing to be someone that you're not. And that may be causing you a lot of anxiety and anger and, and feelings that because it's not right. So I just think you need to just find who your authentic self is. And I want to just be able to be happy with what makes me happy, which is 
organizing these forums, speaking to people in public and having deep, meaningful connections. That is such a great legacy to leave. And you're already starting that with all of these different women that you've changed their lives in so many different ways. Now, what are you working on currently that is really exciting to you? (laughs) So many things. (laughs) Definitely my global forum that um, we're going to start fundraising Monday. (laughs) Something that I'm very excited. We, I started a mastermind this year. And we had uh, 40 members join and we've had, I think, two businesses that have started out of the mastermind. It was a 12-week mastermind and it was an experiment. Like I just wanted to offer an online course for women and bring women that are like-minded together. So I was doing all of the work for you to just show up and be loved and accepted and we bring guest speakers. So we're about to launch our second one. And it's going to be open at the end of the month. And we're only accepting 30 people to join. The mastermind is going to be about mental health because I think beyond business and beyond anything, as leaders, as founders, in it's a very lonely world if you live in America. America, it just makes you be very isolated from the world. It's a very lonely culture. And I think it's important to connect with other women because we forget that that's how we get our energy with connection because we're all connected. All, all human beings are connected. So I really want to be able to give that to our audience. And then another thing that we're working on is on having global forums in Africa. So I want to organize something in Africa next year and a retreat to India and Mexico. So there's a ton of stuff, but the most recent definitely is the um, mastermind that we're literally opening today. (laughs) That is so exciting. And I can't wait to hear more about that and also to share that with everyone. So if our listeners want to know more about you, about the mastermind and your forums, where can they find you? Yeah. So in Instagram, it's Ingrid Harb underscore. And then for my movement, it's WAF, W-A-F-I-N-T-L from International, abbreviated. And then our website, it's very funny, our URL. So our URL is women, W-O-M-E-N. So womenaf.org. So that's our URL. So it's very easy. You will find. Perfect. Thank you so much, Ingrid, for all the amazing tips that you gave us. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I was a pleasure to be here. I hope you enjoyed this interview with Ingrid. Make sure to visit theoffbeatlife.com. Again, that's theoffbeatlife.com to get the extended interview where she shares how to become a motivational speaker. Hey, listeners, thank you for listening to this episode, and I'm so thankful for your support. I would love to hear your thoughts on this episode and get suggestions on guests, topics we can discuss, and so much more. Feel free to reach out at hello at theoffbeatlife.com and let me know what you'd like to hear. If you like the show, don't forget to give us some love and review on iTunes. Thank you again for being a part of this journey, and I can't wait to hear how your location-independent story will unfold.